0: Together now to 2 Corinthians and chapter 13, and we can read at verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13 and at verse number 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realise this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test, and so on down through that section. Now obviously, we are coming to the end of Paul's correspondence with this church in Corinth, and we have seen something of the way in which he was facing the challenges that arose in that church in Corinth from the time that he himself planted that church in AD 50 until He writes these letters in AD 55 and AD 56. So he is interacting with them from a distance and we see at the beginning of this chapter that he is ready to come to them a third time. And as we do read these verses, we see once more clearly that his concern is for their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the gospel. In other words, his concern for them is that they are reconciled to God, uh, and to remind them that if they reject Paul, they are rejecting his gospel, and if they reject his gospel, then there is no hope for them. Uh, And we saw in the morning the way in which Paul has shown to them that that he is an ambassador for Christ, and that God is speaking through him when he writes the letters to them, uh, and when he preaches the gospel to them. And to, uh, to raise their awareness of, of of what God is doing and how God is using Paul as his servant, even although they don 't appreciate that he is the servant of Jesus Christ, and nevertheless God is using him through the very things that they think rule him out as an apostle that they, that God is speaking directly to them, and we see the different concerns at the end of the twelfth chapter, and we want to look at at the Verses that we do that we have read, uh, but to put them also in the context of the earlier part of the chapter from verse number three, and as we consider uh, parting closer from the words of Paul, we want to see in these verses that there is a plea for the recognition of genuine faith, and for all of us under the gospel, the key thing is that we come to faith that we realize that we have that faith and that we live out that faith in the world. And if we don't realize we have that faith, then we are not going to be able to serve and we are not going to be able to witness for the Lord Jesus. So a plea for the recognition of genuine faith. I want to see, first of all, that Paul brings our attention to a particular principle, And that principle arises from the way in which they are evaluating Paul and his ministry. And we see in verse number three that they are seeking a proof. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. They are giving special care and attention. They are caught up with Paul because of his role. But they are assessing Paul and do, doing so with the wrong criteria. And because of that, they, they are seeking a proof from him, a sign that will tell them that he really is the apostle of Jesus Christ, that he is different to the super apostles in Corinth, and that instead he is the one sent by God, who is serving God and who is writing these words to them. And there is a sense in which, when they, when they are looking for, for that sign from Paul, they are expecting to see the sign. We can ask somebody to, to prove themselves, and with the expectation they're not going to be able to do that anyway. But there are other situations where there is something positive And because there is that something positive, when we're seeking something from them, then we're expecting something positive in return. And there is that that hint in the way in which Paul writes here that they do actually look for something positive, that they're encouraged towards Paul in the gospel. Nevertheless, they are wanting confirmation that Christ is speaking in me. We saw in the morning the way in which he is the ambassador, the way in which God is speaking through him. And that's the confirmation that, that, that they are wanting from him. And in, in some ways, we when you read that seeking that Christ is speaking in me. There is the sense in which they are challenging the very core of his own experience and the very core of his own call to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we We read Paul himself in Galatians chapter 1 speaking about his conversion, speaking about his call to be apostle. We we see him describing there the way in which he received the gospel through a revelation of Jesus Christ who was pleased, God was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So when, when they are saying that Christ is speaking in me, it's a particular focus on what Paul has in his heart. Who do you think you are? What are you in your heart? That's what's important to us. If you are an apostle of Jesus Christ, prove that to us. And it brings Paul back to his own personal experience and his conversion. And when we reflect on, on the whole of the gospel itself, we, we see the way in which Jesus himself was challenged. What sign do you you show us? They are saying to him in John chapter 2, for example. They are looking for confirmations from from Jesus in the gospel. They are now looking for a confirmation and a proof from Paul that he is an ambassador of Jesus Christ indeed. And in general terms, that brings us to, to the real sense of looking for proof. And when instead of responding to the gospel, testing the message, testing the messenger, and ultimately testing God Himself, and we can have the gospel in our ears and perhaps even in our hearts, and we are, are challenging what's happening, we want further confirmation, we are not content with, with what we sense to be in our hearts. The smallness of our faith leads us to look for a sign and a proof. And when they are challenging Paul here, they are giving a clear indication that their faith is not what it should be. And a faith that, that lives and depends on signs is no faith at all because it will evaporate when the sign is removed. And we need to ensure together tonight that that's not the way we see faith. That that's not the way we see the gospel. What do you look from the gospel tonight? Are you looking for a sign? It's all about you. You're looking for a sign. And you're testing God as the people of God were in the Old Testament. It is wrong to test God in that way. And in the light of that, Paul clarifies his relationship with them. And then he gives to them the principle that they need to apply. And he gives that clarification to them in that same verse, they are challenging him about Christ speaking in him. And when he says, he is not weak in dealing with you, he is referring to the Lord Jesus. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. They are seeing Paul as somebody who is weak. His speech is pretty poor. Physically, he's nothing to look at. He has no strength. There's nothing that... That uh, That isn't Paul compared to the super apostles who are great orators and who uh, are able to, to speak with the wisdom of the age. He doesn't compare with them at all. But he, he wants them to understand that despite appearances, it is not a case of him being weak in their midst. It is a case of him being powerful among them. And that brings... Whole discussion with them and his engagement with them in this in this passage to the very principle that 's at the heart of the gospel that we are so confused so often that we 're looking for people who are powerful, people who can do great things, people who are confident in themselves, people who feel that they are strong and are able to do anything and that is so contrary to to the spirit of the gospel and to the principle that works in the gospel. And he brings that right back to to the cross itself and to the passion of Jesus. He was crucified in weakness. Every step that we see Jesus taking in the gospel, as he lives as the servant of God, from the manger to the cross, we see somebody who is weak we see somebody who is submitting to the will of God. We see somebody who, who cannot keep himself off the cross. We see somebody who is bound and tied to the cross in his weakness. And of course there is, there is that very argument and the, the principle that it was his power that made him weak. That he had the ability to, to serve God in humility. Power gives weakness, the weakness that is evident in submissive serving. And when he is led like a lamb to the slaughter, when he goes as a sheep before a shearer is dumb, he is seen as weak in the world. He is seen as nothing and nobody. And that's highlighted when he comes to the cross of Jesus and they're, they're shouting and railing at him. He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is crucified in weakness. He is giving himself wholly to the will of God. And because of that, he now lives by the power of God. The Christ who died on Calvary's cross and his weakness and his body crumbling because of the weight of the wrath of God. He is the one who lives by the power of God, who is alive, who is raised by God, who is living in the glory of God at God's right hand. And because of that, and because of Paul's relationship with them, the principle that operated in the life of Jesus is now the principle that operates in the life of Paul. We also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we live with him by the power of God. Yes, Paul is weak. Yes, Paul acknowledges That just like Jesus, that he is following his master. And in the service that he gives, he does so with humility. He does so from a lowly position. He, He does so from submission to the Lord Jesus. And every step that he does take, it speaks of weakness. What he does and what he says and the words that he uses speak of weakness. But nevertheless, Paul wants them to understand that we live with him by the power of God. That because Jesus rose from the dead, because Paul is united with Jesus in his resurrection from the dead, that that power, as we read in Ephesians chapter 1, that power which worked in the resurrection of Jesus is now working in the life of Paul and is also working in his words and in the letters that he writes. The principle that operates where we have power hidden and veiled by, by the weakness of the humanity in which we live. And we see that, that Paul in the previous chapter, he saw great things from God. A revelation which he cannot describe. And to, to ensure that he remained the weak Paul... He was going to live by the power of God. Paul cried out because of this messenger of Satan that was sent by God to keep him humble so that he wouldn't be exalted because of the revelation. He prayed to God, take this away from me three times, this thorn in my flesh. And God said, no, no. Paul, I'm going to make sure that you stay weak. And I'm promising you that my grace will be sufficient for you. And Paul when he realizes that the principle that works in the kingdom of God he will boast in his weaknesses so that the power of God will will dwell upon him. And together we have to recognize that principle in the, the life of the people of God. That it is not about you, understanding the gospel to make you feel that you are strong. We have to understand if we're going to arrive at the assurance of faith. We have to understand that our sense of weakness is exactly what the gospel does to us. And in that sense of weakness that that is where God is pleased to work. And to, to recognize the very essence of this principle that power operates only within weakness and the very fact of, of the way in which God works, the power doesn't take away our sense of weakness. The power enables us in our weakness to continue to serve and we are wrong in our thinking and confused in our thinking and robbing ourselves of the assurance of the grace of salvation. If we think that the power of God means the end of weakness, the power of God always operates within our weakness. It helps us to serve in these weaknesses. And we will say with Paul, rejoice with Paul, because God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And so tonight when we are looking at discovering and perhaps rediscovering the preciousness of genuine faith, let's grasp this principle. And we hear so often those whom we would suggest have faith, that their response to being challenged with regard to that faith is that they cannot have faith because these things are true the very things that that God says actually define a person who has faith. And as surely as we need to understand that for ourselves, we need to be able to share that with others. And perhaps tonight that's that's your very struggle. That in every way in which you you are drawn to the gospel and every way in which you may take baby steps towards embracing that gospel. You are so aware of of your sense of weakness in your heart and in your life that how can you embrace that faith and live that faith and that weakness keeps you back from embracing Christ by faith in the gospel and the very thing you need to know is this basic principle that is power and weakness and that's how God works That's how he worked for Paul and Corinth, and that's how he wanted them to understand that God was working in and among them. The principle. Let's take it to heart and let's remind ourselves of it day by day. Power operates within weakness. Power doesn't take away our sense of weakness, but it does enable us to live the life of faith in our weakness. And depending and trusting in the Lord Jesus for his grace. The principle. Secondly, there is a prompt. He wants them to think about this. He wants them to ask themselves. He is turning the tables on them. You are asking me to to prove myself. No, I'm prompting you. To prove yourself. And that's the the, the nature of the gospel that is propositional. It's challenging you to ask certain questions. And here in verse number five, uh, Paul is saying to them, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Put yourselves to the test. Put yourselves in the place where you set yourselves against standards, the standards of the gospel, and examine yourselves in that context and see if you actually are in the faith. And normally, when we read about testing of faith in the Bible, in this positive sense, it's usually God that does it. And God tested Abraham in his faith. We read in First Peter chapter 1 that God was testing the genuineness of their faith. And repeatedly down through the history of the people of God, as Jesus himself was led by the Spirit to be tempted. He was tempted by the devil, but God was testing him. Normally it is God who does the testing that proves the genuineness of faith. And it's noteworthy at least that God is asking them to do the thing that normally God would do to reassure them in their faith. Examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. And when he is asking them to to do so, he is asking them to to think of, of the space that the gospel creates And when the gospel is presented to us and proclaimed to us, it creates this space which is to be in the faith. And to be in the faith is embracing the words of the gospel, embracing the Christ of the gospel. It can speak of the content of faith, but especially it speaks of the place where we live our lives by faith. It's a gospel-created space. We can be in Christ and we are in the faith. It's a gospel-created space. And Paul is asking them to examine themselves to see if that's the space they operate, that they occupy. Is that where you live your life? In that place of faith where Jesus is found, where the word of God is found, and where the people of God are living in weakness, surrounded by the power of God, and living day by day by faith in the Lord Jesus examine yourselves. It's a process that they must be engaged in and doing so to give proof to Paul and more importantly to themselves. He wants to lead them to the understanding of the fact that they possess genuine faith. And for you tonight, that's what God wants you you to do. He wants you to test yourself in your heart. What space do you hold in your life? We share this space physically here this evening, listening to the Word of God. But there is a space which belongs to the people who exercise faith. There's a space that belongs to those who have no faith at all. And you tonight, examine yourself with regard to which space you occupy. And examine yourself with regard to belonging to Jesus Christ in the space that the gospel creates. And when Paul writes this letter to them, he he reminds them of something about what that space looks like. And at the very beginning of of the first letter, he, he is addressing them as the church of God in Corinth. He is addressing them as those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. They occupy the space that the gospel creates. They are set apart in their faith. He has addressed them as such. They are called to be saints, he is telling them. And he wants them here to to examine themselves and to bear in mind who they are and where they came from. And with the expectation that they will come to appreciate that they have this genuine faith that Paul is looking for for them and that will give to them that sense of belonging to his gospel and to the God of his gospel and to the Christ of his gospel. Examine yourselves. And that examination can be one of two things. It can be to bring out a new act of faith those who have no faith at all to examine themselves, whether they are in the faith, it can be a, a step to a new act of faith. But it can also be the case tonight, for, for, for perhaps for you and for, for many others, it can be a call for a fresh act of the faith that you already have, and a, a faith that perhaps can so easily become inactive and that this examination is in order for that faith to become active and to show itself, especially in this examination, to prove to yourselves or to yourself the faith that you already have and may have for some time and may have become dormant for, for various reasons. A new act of faith, examine yourselves. A fresh act of the faith that you have, examine yourselves. And he adds another dimension to to the testing because we see that he says examine yourselves and then he says test yourselves. Uh, What is the difference? The difference is it's the same idea that they they were looking for They were seeking a proof in in him but Christ was speaking in him. In In other words, they were testing him, expecting the proof to appear. It was a a test that was expected to approve and to prove the genuineness of of Paul as an apostle of Jesus. So they are to examine themselves as to the genuineness of of the faith, a real test against the standards of, And now he wants them to test themselves. He is more or less saying to them, if you do this test and carry out this test the way that you should, then there is only one outcome. And that is that you will prove the genuineness of your faith. It's a positive outcome. It's a test that's against the standard And it's a test where they are expected to to pass and to prove that they are indeed the children of God. And when faith is not working in the way that it should, then that's exactly what what the Bible wants us to to think about and and to to work out in our own experience. It's not something that somebody else can do for us. But it's something that we have to do for ourselves. That in in the, the real testing of our own hearts, that we will come to this conclusion. The assurance of having genuine faith in our hearts. And if there is a plea that I could have for you on your part, Tonight it would be that kind of plea. That that you would come to the conclusion under the gospel. That because God is working in the gospel in your life. That you yourself would, would rise to the assurance of having the genuine faith that Paul had. That he was persuaded that the Corinthians had. And able to live the life of the people of God in all of your weaknesses and in all of your sense of inability and walking in that space that God has created through the gospel for you to live in as a child of God. There is that prompting that they needed in order to come and to know and to discover, to be aware in themselves that they had the very faith that they Seemed to, to, to deny because of the challenging of Paul. That they would come to that conclusion. Their faith was genuine. That the prompt would bring them to that conclusion. And that leads me finally to the persuasion. You and I need to be persuaded. That we have the faith. Of course we do. Faith is not a leap in the dark. It's a, a, an act of, of our, our hearts. Based on what God has said to be true. And on his promises. And we embrace that faith. And so he, he wants them to be fully persuaded in their minds. That they have this faith. And he goes on in, in that same in verse 5. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? Do you not know this about yourselves? When he's challenging them like that, he is encouraging them to begin this intellectual process of gathering together the very things that they have learned from the gospel and to take take that gospel package that they have experienced from the time that Paul came to them in Acts chapter 16, to take all of these elements and these components of of what they have experienced and to order them in their minds, to allow themselves to to think of everything that's happened, of the origin of their faith when, when Paul came to them of the way in which Paul is encouraging them to keep their minds focused on the gospel. That was the power of God and the cross of Jesus. That was the power of God to salvation. Think about these things in in your minds and order them. And order them from there to see the way in which, because of your relationship with the Lord Jesus, that you went on a journey and that the, that very relationship was challenged by the culture in Corinth. It was challenged by false apostles. It was challenged by, by providences that, that brought Paul to a, a sense of being in, on death row and in the place where the sentence of death was upon him because he was so close to it. Order all these things in your mind and allow yourself to see the way in which God has worked and God has brought you to where you are. That, that sense of knowing about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you. It's a great combination of statements that Paul uses with regard to our salvation. And they are both a mystery. He tells us that we are in Christ. A wonderful thought. As if we are occupying another space. And we are doing so in the presence of God. We are in Christ. And we saw this morning the way in which God sees us through Christ as the looking glass. A wonderful thought that we are in Christ. A thought that is surrounded with mystery but it is the reality and the fact of the status that we have as the children of God. And there is the second one, that that Jesus Christ is in you. How are we going to know that? How tonight can we go home and be able to say, Jesus Christ is in me? What is it that we're going to find that's going to persuade us that that is the case? It's not a question that's easy to answer. And we have heard time after time the famous statement that it's better felt than told. How can we describe this man of God or this woman of God? Paul speaks in chapter 4 of the in which this treasure is in jars of clay. And that's so that the surpassing power belongs to God. And that's the the way in which we we feel as those who have Christ dwelling in us. His light is a glorious, powerful light. His presence gives the sense of of our hearts uh, exploding and perhaps our bodies not able to contain the fullness of Jesus Christ. And because of that sense, Of the fullness of of Jesus Christ. I know tonight that Christ is in me. By love. And John tells us in his own epistle. That I know I've passed from death to life. Because I love the brethren. He also says. I know that I'm the child of God. When I love God and keep his commandments. It's having that love in our hearts. That loves the God who sent his Son, that loves the Son who came to save, and who loves who love the people of God who are saved by him, and who love to keep the, the law of God as those who are the children of God. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? What do you think yourself? Do you realize tonight that Jesus Christ is in you and are you able to reach the sense of the assurance of having the genuine faith of the people of God? And sometimes our realization and our love for all that God has has given to us can be defined and summed up by the way in which Ruth and Naomi were on the way back to Bethlehem and Naomi telling Ruth and Orpah to, to go back to their own people. What was the defining response? Do not urge me to leave you or to stop from following after you. And if Jesus Christ tonight is in you, that's what you'll be saying. No one can take from you the desire that you have for the Lord Jesus. And no one can take from you the desire that you have to to know more of him and to follow with him. And it is recognizing that tonight that is the call of this passage, that you will come to understand that and be persuaded in your own heart to do what, what Orpah did, to do what Ruth did. Uh, and to follow Naomi in all of the paths that she followed Naomi in, in Bethlehem, and the way in which God blessed her, realizing that Christ Jesus is in you. And Paul doesn't expect them to, do, to conclude anything else, unless you indeed fail to meet the test. But we pray to God that you may do no wrong, not that you may appear to have met the test but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. He wants more than anything that they would come to discover and to believe and to embrace that Christ is in their hearts. What do you feel tonight you yourself about the Lord Jesus? Is he irresistible? Does your heart tell you that you love him? And does your heart tell tell you that you have the heartbeat of God's kingdom because of the way in which you estimate and value the passion of Jesus Christ and the work that he has done brought before us in the gospel. Be persuaded if your desire is there. Be persuaded if your longing is there. Be persuaded if he is precious to you. Be persuaded that these are the very Marks of the faith of the people of God and don't be discouraged by by your sense of weakness but be encouraged that the weakness that your sense of weakness is itself a confirmation of the genuineness of faith and of the promise of the power of God that will operate in your life in the midst of your weakness and enabling you to live for him so let's be encouraged together tonight and let's be prompted to examine ourselves. Let's be moved to hear what God has done and let's not discount that. Let's not diminish that. Let's not offend God by denying what he has done, but let us live the life of the people of God in the space that the gospel has created and doing so as those who live in Christ and for Christ, and who are determined to serve Him all the days of our lives, may God bless His word to us. Let us pray. Most gracious God, how we look to you, and how we do want to to say that we love you with all of our hearts. It is the reflection of your grace in our hearts that we would ever want to to claim to love you and that we would ever want to show that we do love you. And we pray you to help us to have that conviction in our hearts that you are our God, that conviction that you have worked with your grace in our lives and give to us the the assurance in our hearts of your power and weakness principle that will encourage us to overcome anything that may stand in our way, that we may show our love for you by living it out in the world with the assurance that if we do not deny you that you will not deny us but also reminded that if we deny you and deny your son that your son will deny us in the presence of the glory of the Father. So make us watchful, make us loving, make us a people who truly examine ourselves and give to us that our examination will lead us to the right conclusions that will be to the glory of your name and to the good of our eternal salvation. Have mercy we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. The closing psalm is Psalm number 62 in the Scottish Psalter and at verse number 5. Psalm 62 at verse number 5. It's on page 294. My soul, wait thou with patience upon thy God alone, on him dependeth all my hope and expectation. From verse 5 to verse 8, to God's praise. My soul. stand for the benediction. With the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.